0: PR's top pros talk, Navigating the Sociocultural Climate, featuring Krishana Davis, Director of Digital at Precision Strategies. Here's our host, Doug Simon. Krishana, one of the things that you advocate is a non-traditional approach to PR from corporate clients that's partially informed from your experience in political communications. Can you share what you mean by the non-traditional approach and how it works?
1: Sure. I would say even beyond that, it's also very informed from my previous experience as a reporter. And so, so many times uh, PR professionals want to have this like uh, stakeholder relationship with journalists. Right. And that's great sometimes. But when you think about it long term, a lot of those reporters don't have the sway to decide what things go to print and which things do not. And um, I actually think that it's better to have a more um, back and forth relationship with freelance reporters, right? Because freelance reporters have this like um, drive and need to get paid at the end of the day, right? They Mm -hmm. need to have a livelihood and ensure that they are also reporting the news. And so I actually think that they're more likely to hear and listen to a pitch that's maybe a little bit non-traditional. Let's say um, a uh, client of yours is consistently always looking to be in the press and you've exhausted all of your traditional media context, look at freelance reporters and talk to them and say, hey, you know, I know that you write for X, X, and X publication. I would like to start a relationship with you instead because you know that there's a higher likelihood that that person will be able to pitch an editor and get it
0: placed. Yeah, that's that's really interesting approach and makes a lot of sense. Why not pitch a reporter that's motivated to see your article come out? than one who really couldn't care because they're getting paid either way. So it has to move them for other reasons of journalism or whatever. One of the things that I've always thought is there's a lot of lessons to be learned from political communicators because you get such direct feedback. What do the polls say? What are the money? What's the money that you've raised? Can you maybe share some of the lessons that political communication and can share and inform corporate communicators that you advise and others advise?
1: Yeah, of course. I think one of the big things is to be uh, morally focused, right? So many of the times, yes, you're right. We're looking at polling data and we're saying, okay, this is what we should or shouldn't say. And so corporations have adopted that. They also poll, have focus groups and try to figure out what do their customers want to hear? What do they say? But I think what they can learn from political organizations is a moral compass, a moral approach. And so for the most part, when you're looking at politics, especially in progressive politics, there's a stake in the ground somewhere that says, this is what we care about. This is how we want to move society forward. And we're going to always use that as our North Star, regardless of what maybe the mainstream or like our audiences want have wanted. And I think one of the best examples of that is like, if you were to have polled um, during the 1960s, most people didn't like Martin Luther King. Most people weren't pro the civil rights movement. Most people weren't pro some of these things. And so um, there's this groupthink mentality that if you're always so focused on what your customer wants and not focused on like that moral compass, a lot of times you end up on the wrong side of history as well.
0: Yeah, and I'll give you credit for using moral compass and politicians in the same paragraph in a positive <laughs> way. Cause that's one we always don't get to hear. One of the changes we've also observed is going back to the sixties as you referenced, then it seemed like corporations were well behind government in terms of progressive policies and it was federal government especially that was trying to impose progressive change and that sort of switch run a whole number of issues lgbtq is one of the examples corporations seem further ahead so are there any lessons for the political communicators that might come from corporate communicators
1: You know, I honestly don't think that there's as many because at the end of the day, these corporations need to make sure that their bottom line is being fed, right? So a lot of the times they more end up like commodifying some of these um, issues more so than like doing them in a very like um, an approach that really feels like it's embedded on the ground. So for example, right, like the corporations that don't do it well is June is pride month and they'll go and give you like pride uh, shirts and like, just kind of rip off of what you're seeing in the groundswell i think the corporations who do it well for example might say x number of your proceeds is going to go to this mutual aid organization that's run by black trans people right and so like that's how a corporation can like do that work well and i would say um the lessons the progressive movement or political movements in general can take from that is always looking at the grassroots first right and making sure that like any investments dollars things that you're giving is going back to the people who are most marginalized and most impacted by whatever the work is and so that's kind of your juxtaposition of like the corporations who are doing it in a way that just feels like they're commodifying or appropriating on an image or the ones who are truly saying okay like i want to make sure i'm having an
0: investment in the community and impacting those who are marginalized yeah, and that could have a lot more impact than just saying okay this month because it's xyz month we're supporting that one and next one you sort of lose sight of what the organization's about and why they're even doing it they seem like followers rather than leaders you also talk about how political campaigns have moved beyond political ads it's really about outside of political ads i'll let you talk about that and then say maybe does that make sense for corporations and should they be shifting some of their dollars that way so, but first, about what do you mean by outside of political ads?
1: Yeah, so during any poli- uh, political election cycle, you'll kind of see the same dark, luminous, uh, political ad that basically has this <laughs> like voice and it comes on, and it tells you why, like insert person is an evil bad person and not to vote for them. That's my political voice. But I think where we're moving to now, especially when it comes to cultural competency is meeting people where they are. So let's say you're talking to a black or Latinx or API audience, for example, right? You wanna make sure that that ad feels like it's in tune to, if they're watching a YouTube video and it's a um, makeup tutorial or it's NBA highlights that it feels like it was made to dovetail on whatever they're watching. It doesn't feel interruptive to their experience. So for example, this last cycle with one of our clients, SEIU, we ran a slew of telenovela style ads, right? So like this is already like a style of like um, entertainment that we know Latinx audiences enjoy, have done so historically. And then we thought about ways that we can make it relevant to today. And so we use that as this kind of like um, soap opera style, Um, way of talking about these very important topics. And I mean, they uh, perform leaps and bounds above all the other ads that we did. And so it's, you know, do you understand your audience Um, and creating ads that like look and feel and dovetail to the things they're watching, they're already using for entertainment. And then also making sure that it's not like weird or kooky or that you're not like um, Mm -hmm. forcing the moment, like either it works or it doesn't work, you know?
0: And that translates to being part of the cultural moment that we're in that's relevant for the brands that you talk about. Can you share some ideas there?
1: For sure. So I think that if you look at um, 2020, not only did we have this really heightened election cycle, one, but also we had two very important moments that like hit people and made them stop in their tracks. So one, this really large uh, COVID-19 pandemic that disproportionately impacted Black communities. And number two, you had police sanctioned violence and police brutality against Black communities as well. And so then we couldn't then say we have to, we couldn't treat 2020 like any other election cycle you had to stop and say how are we meeting people where they are so that meant that like um people's economics and their pockets and how they were going to feed their families and uh homelessness and rent and um, whether or not they were, uh, had safe work environments, all became that much more important, right? And so we had to stop and we couldn't go about things at status quo. And so to me, the way corporations meet that moment as well is kind of, it kind of goes back a little bit to um, the conversation we were previously having, which is it can't just be, okay, well, it's Hispanic Heritage Month. So let's, you know, make a logo and um, change our branding on our website. It has to be like, what are, the needs of Latinx communities right now in this moment? How has society changed, right? And how can we as an organization, as a company, meet them where they are, what What are their needs? So it could be anything as, as simple as, I'll give you a good example. Um, there is a black designer, um, fresco uh, who did a partnership with levi right a denim company and some people might say like what's revolutionary about that right but the way fresco is able to tell a story that well black people made denim popular right like black people were some of the like leaders in the 60s to change how people were dressing and like popularized it right and so like that then becomes like a. am going beyond the Um, the base level of what you could do and kind of going a little bit deeper and willing to tell a deeper story as well. And I think that that's what makes it like a a well-rounded PR campaign and not just like, I'm gonna parachute into this community because it's Black History in the Month or Hispanic History Month or Pride or whatever the case may be.
0: Yeah, and to your point, you know, the way people consume information, there are so many more different ways. And the idea is you can't assume the same style of communication will be perfect for each of those channels. You've got to evolve not just what your story is, but how you're telling it to make sure it represents. And with increased transparency, you can't do, okay, I'm going to do this story to this group and this story to another group, and they don't match because that'll be very quickly outed. Any final thoughts you want to leave our audience with?
1: Um, I think the big thought is to make sure that you not only have Black people at the table, but you're paying them. You are uh, making sure that they um, have the resources they need and that you got out of their way, right? And that goes for any marginalized community. Like if you want to talk to a community that's not just um whatever mainstream white status quo community is that has been like lifted up in the world that you have to like bring people to the table pay them and get out of their way right and make sure they have the resources to to, to thrive and like truly do the work and also you can't micromanage them in the process
0: yeah and brands know there's a lot of money to be made outside of what was the traditional white community that you described so it's in their self-interest to have a broader constituency of people that they service Thanks so much for your great insights and sharing your time.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate being here, um, and I look forward to talking to you again in the future.